Whoa, 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 what? Yo, what's happening, folks? It's your old chuckle buddy. Guess who? Janeth and James Ramcharak, reporting live for duty on this magnificent October 9th in the year of our Lord, 2020. Welcome and bienvenue to Jonathan Ramcharan, the podcast. Uh, I tell you, folks, I tell you, folks, back in my drinking days, back in my days of drinking, this would have been one of them weeks, you know, to quote, you know, one of my mentors, my favorites, you know, the spark in the human heart, one of my all-time faves, Rodney Dangerfield. Dangerfield, Rodney Dangerfield, to quote my man, you know, I tell you, Johnny, one of those days when you get drinking early, Johnny, I tell you, it's one of them weeks, boy, when you get drinking early, Johnny, you know, when he's sitting on the couch talking to uh, Johnny Carson, it's just one of them days when you get drinking early, Johnny. I had one of them weeks, boy. Anyway, I'm going to get into that, you know. It's a blessing, though. If you're new to the show, Janet and Ramchand, the podcast. I am an all sorts of fucking dumb things, but, um, you know, this is a show where I bitch, whine, squawk, cabelli, and kibitz about myself in order to relate to y'all self. Y'all the dear listener. Y'all the dear viewer. Shared experiences, kindred souls, BFFs forever. I'm available on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, video versions of the podcast on YouTube. You can also catch me on my website, jonathan-ramcharan.com. And you can email the show, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. Send in those questions, send in those queries, send in them qualms. jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. <sighs> Fucking mouthful. I tell you, one of them days when you get drinking early, Johnny. <laughs> you know? And if you are new to the show, Janet and Ramcher on the podcast, I am an actor extraordinaire. 19 years of service, diploma in theater arts. It's hot. Ah, uh, it's hot. Indian summer, October 2020. It's hot. Yeah, you know, awfully hot. Get sweating. Get to spitzing under them lights, boy. When them lights be on you, boy. As I alluded to at the top of the show, at the top of the program, it's been one of them weeks, boy. You know? Been busting my chops, busting my hump, you know? I'm not exactly growing this fucking moustache for nothing, you know? You know? Just to be fucking ironic, you know? Fucking made my bones, paid my tide this week, you know? I was bent over a fucking script. You know, I was bent over a script, reading lines, auditioning, you know, recording self-tapes, sending it in for online auditions, you know? The work of an actor is not exactly easy, you know? Bent over a fucking script all week. And it got me thinking, you know? It's like, wow. You know, I was reading this little... uh, They call them sides, sides, you know, like a side of salad, a side. And what they are is, um, you know, little snippets of a script that you, um, you know, go over and, you know, you memorize your lines, you know, whatever your character is. You do your little scene and you send in this little snippet as an audition piece, you know, for a self-taping, you know, when you record a little scene at home you send it in you know am i being clear right now Uh, like i said you know the work of an actor is never done you know makes you stick to your stomach sometimes the amount of bullshit you got to go through but basically sides sides it's just a fancy way of saying the script little snippet of a script You memorize your part, you record it, you send it in to the casting director, 
You know, this is the new world we live in, the new, the new media, self-taping. I'm telling you, pouring over scripts, bent over scripts all god dang week, you know? And uh, it is quite interesting, though, because it's like, it really had me thinking. I'm like, wow, you know, as an actor, you have to have a fairly high reading comprehension level. You have to be able to memorize your lines, you know. You have to have a certain, uh, you have to have certain performer chops, you know. Be able to stand your own with uh, your scene partner to exchange dialogue, you know. You got to be able to interpret uh, the meaning of the script. You have to be able to take direction. You have to be able to st- to fucking stomach. Sitting around on a set somewhere for fucking, you know, 8, 10, 12 hours a day, you know? If you're on, if you're on, if you're in the theater, you know, you got long rehearsals, you know, you might be working a day job, then you go rehearse from like maybe, you know, who knows? Depends on the situation, but you know, rehearsals, a lot of times they run like eight hours, you know, if you're in the theater. So it's a lot of work that the actor does do. And um, it is a skill. It's a trade. And I was reminded of that. And, um, you know, I joke, I joke, I kid, I kid. It's a blessing to be able to self-tape, audition online. It's an opportunity. And, you know, when I was doing that this week, it really got me thinking. There's so many parts. And a lot of times people see, or at least they think they see, I mean... I'm guilty of it at times too. I, I, uh, you know, sometimes my viewpoint is myopic, small, short-sighted, you know? You know, we all believe in our own grandiose intellect. And a lot of times we don't really know. We think we know, but we don't know all the moving parts of a job, you know? Like, what comes to mind, which I'll talk about later, you know, these presidential elections, 2020, United States, you know, at a glance, politics, in my view, when I was a child, I thought it was this big, complex thing. Grown-ups read the newspaper. They know what the government is. Then gradually, as I got older, and I learned, and I read, and I viewed, and I observed, Yo, we're the people. We live in a democracy. This is representative representation. We represent these people to represent us. They allegedly speak for us. And they don't know anything more than we do, generally speaking. You know? They ain't really that much to know. It's all a bunch of filibustering, boondoggle, yibbity, yibbity, yeah, fucking, you know, jabberwocky, mumbo-jumbo that they spew at you in the media to make it seem like they're doing this big thing when it's like, really, they're not. But then the flip side being, well, is that my own inflated sense of self? Is that my own inflated sense of ego? Because, hey, we do need a governing body to regulate um, law and order in society, social programs for the at-risk, the needy, And, um, you know, infrastructure, building of, you know, roads, you know, building society, you know, and, you know, transportation, like, you know, public transport, stuff like that, you know, buses, subways. There's a lot that goes into governing a society to root to run smoothly fairly so is it myopic of me to just like you know relegate that to just ah it's just a bunch of jabberwocky mumbo jumbo sitting there looking cute blah, 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 on tv right there's a lot to know so um that was a great reminder um uh, in relation to my craft 
as an actor. A lot of times I, I even forget, you know, it's like, it's about grinning and looking cute on YouTube or, you know, at the Oscars, dressed in your Oscar de la Rente gown or whatever the fuck it is, right? Bunch of fucking jabberwocky mumbo jumbo as far as I'm concerned. But wait, what about the true craft of it? What about the, 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 the craft of learning how to interpret literature and to craft a character, you know, through the various methods, whether it be like, you know, the method, you know, Stanislavski, you know, um, which is what? Working from the inside out versus the outside in, which is more of like a... Sanford Meisner, uh, I want truth, goddammit, truth. What's your motivation? I'm bullshit, I don't believe ya. You know, I'm talking about, you know, various forms of acting. Stanislavski, that's like the method that you hear people talk about, method acting. That's working from the inside out, you know, kind of sussing out what it feels like to suss out and decipher what a character may be going through inside and to try to relate that on the outside. Bring it from the inside, take it to the outside. And then you have like Sanford Meisner, uh, which is more like the, uh, there's a name for it, but you know, a lot of people call it like the Meisner method, which is more along the lines of, you know, you know, acting as if under imaginary circumstances. And a lot of it is based on, you know, I could be getting this wrong. Again, there's a lot to know. But it's like, yeah, that imaginary if, acting as if under circumstances, you know? One of the big deciphering differences between that, like the method and the Meisner technique, is like, you know, the method technique is very reliant upon emotional memory. Emotional memory from the actor, their own experiences to draw upon. Whereas the Sanford Meisner, the imaginary if under imaginary circumstances is more so like, you know, an imaginative quality, you know? How would you behave as if under if circumstances, you know? Like, what would you do if, you know, your wife died? Oh, oh, baby, I love you, you know? That's like Sanford Meisner, imaginary if, you know, and Sanford Meisner, this acting coach I'm speaking of and his technique, the Meisner technique, you know, he had that very, he was like this old Jewish guy who like chain smoked cigarettes for years and he had like this very, he had like fucking a tracheotomy and he used to speak through like a, he had like this winded way of talking, he had a hole in his throat and he'd hold a microphone up to his throat and he'd just like, I want truth, goddammit, truth. What's your motivation? Ah, bullshit, I don't believe ya. To be an actor, you gotta feel it in your gut. You gotta feel it in your soul. You gotta live, breathe, art. The theater is ephemeral. Ah. You know? <laughs> and, you know, and even... Even in babbling on like I just did there. I don't even know if anything I said there made any sense. I don't even know if it makes sense to myself. You know? We think we know, but we don't always know. So. While I have my dignity as an actor, 19 plus years of service, I am also a student. Still learning. You know? Banging it out. Busting it out. Humbly. You know? Hallelujah. So there you have it, folks. Jonathan Ramcharan, actor extraordinaire. Quick sip of water, water balls, water break balls. Much obliged. I am also a stand-up comedian extraordinaire. 11 plus years of service. Sorry, folks. I've got some fucking Listerine residue. You ever use Listerine? You know, like that mouthwash? You know, I was tempted to drink it back in the day. 
not exactly proud of that. But uh, I remember one night when I was like fucking drunk out of my mind and, you know, it was like three o'clock in the morning. I was out of booze, out of weed, out of cigarettes. And I'm just staring in the mirror, hating myself. You fucking lousy, shiftless, rotten, spineless, gut for nothing, bubble guppy, you lousy, crummy, rotten. You know, I'm just staring at myself, just hating what I see. And I saw a bottle of Listerine. I'm like, hey, what if I chug back that fucking bottle of Listerine? Thank God I didn't, you know, that probably wouldn't have ended very well. But, uh, you know, I still do use it to like rinse out my mouth, you know, when you got bad breath. I used some Listerine before the recording of this. Got like this fucking Listerine residue in my mouth, you know, it's fucking disgusting. Fucking hell anyway. A hack stand-up comedian, 11 plus years of service, if you're new to the show. And, um, (laughs) uh... As there have been many um, opportunities and great experiences as an actor this past week, as I said, bent over a fucking script, auditioning, self-taping, you know, as I was working hard as an actor this week, I've done nothing as a stand-up comedian This week. Well, that's not exactly true because I am mid podcasting at the moment. Podcasts are a very vital uh, avenue in any stand up comedian's career. Any entrepreneurial person, it's a great way to get your message out. But definitely for the stand up comedian, podcasting is a game changer. It's a blessing. So I guess I am. And I did another podcast. I did this is my second podcast this week. So I guess I had my mind on comedy in some sense this week, but really I didn't do nothing. You know, I didn't get on stage, obviously. COVID nineteen, coronavirus. Didn't do any writing really. So, you know, bit of a goose egg in terms of comedy for the week. In some sense, in some regard, if I want to be hard on myself. And I got to thinking about that. Well, you know, eh, that's the honesty of the moment. But you know what? The thing about talent, you never lose it. You know, you always have to cultivate whatever it is that you do, whatever you see as your calling, you must cultivate. And, you know, we've all heard the saying if you. Use it or lose it, right? Use it or lose it, you know? You know, if you don't get up there and make things happen, you lose that, that, that talent, that gift. Nah. My spin on it, my opinion on that is, if you don't use it, you abuse it. Ah. Battered joke syndrome, you know? You got to get out there and joke. Chuckle, guffaw, laugh, gag, you know, kibitz, kabik, you know? Hardy, har, 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 folks. If you don't use it, you abuse it. <laughs> Battered fucking joke syndrome. It's like you'll never really lose your gifts. They get rusty and they get underworked. They get flaccid, you know? And then you'll look in the mirror one day and make you sick to your stomach. Oh, yeah, I used to be this. Oh, yeah, I used to be that. But you never lose it, you know? And that's important to remember during these times when, you know, got a fucking hand tied behind my back, you know? Coronavirus, COVID-19, this is a changing landscape. Um, any live performer is feeling that crunch. All industry, for the most part, is feeling that crunch. So while there are these things that are out of our hands... And, you know, we feel the uncertainty of a changing landscape. Hey, you know what? We're rounding that curve. We're flattening the curve. We're rounding the corner. Um, And, you know, keeping a thoughtful mind on what's important to you is um, not exactly the same thing as doing nothing. And... uh, while I don't condone doing nothing, well, at least being aware of that is doing something. Does that make you feel better? <laughs> Lie to me. So there you have it, folks. Jonathan Ramcharan, stand-up comedian extraordinaire.
Sip of water. Water break again, boss. Second time this podcast, boss. Oh, I'm going to be pissing all over myself this podcast, boss. See? You know, I try to make a joke and it doesn't even make any sense. You know, I resort to pissing on myself just for a cheap, lousy laugh. Hell, I don't know. I'm not above it. Anyway. News. See? That damn Listerine residues up in my fucking grill. One more second, folks. Sorry about that. It's the first time I had to do fucking dental work on the podcast. Jesus, Murphy. Maybe I could become a dentist. <laughs> Complete left turn, you know. I forego my performing career to embark upon the depressing trade of dentistry. You know, don't they kill themselves? Most dentists wind up hanging themselves. Isn't that a statistic? Anyway, folks, same with comedians. <laughs> but, no, but that's neither here nor there. Um, world news. World news, yeah. Um, we are two days past... I think it was two days ago yeah was it wednesday yeah this past wednesday was the vice presidential election debate of 2020 yeah kamala harris and joe biden squaring off you know debating uh you know the state of affairs united states of america 2020 in this pandemic era hmm Again, uh, as I alluded to in the top of the show, I don't believe politics are generally as hard as people try to make it appear. But then again, I don't think it's as cut and dry as, oh, well, to blanketly say politicians are liars and they don't do anything and know anything. That's a disservice to what they do do, you know? We need some governance in society, which is obvious. Though political debate... (sighs) Uh, It's generally... I don't know. This this particular debate, the vice presidential debate, 2020. I would say... Mike Pence. Oh, shit. I said Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. No. Kamala Harris, the vice president for the Democrats, debated uh, Mike Pence, the vice president, the sitting price vet, price, vice, blah, blah, baby, vice president of uh, the United States. Mike Pence. So Kamala Harris and uh, Mike Pence, they uh, debated. Uh, blah, 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 believe what you want to. What about Kamala Harris's, uh, you know, fucking that grin she's got? She always, she's always got that Cheshire grin, fucking vulturous, vampiric fucking grin. That yanked back. Like, I don't trust that woman as far as I could throw her. Like, I'm nonpartisan. I, I believe there's a lot of good, good points in, you know, in the liberal body. There are some liberal ideas in terms of accommodation and acceptance for the social mores and fibers within society. But then again, I also do side with the, you know, conservative viewpoint on other things, you know, in regards to, you know, business, finance, infrastructure, family unit, you know. So I'm not really, I'm, uh, I just go with my gut. I go with what I believe is right. And in that being said, like, I'm not trying to trash, um, you know, the liberals in the United States, but that Kamala Harris, she got that fucking Cheshire grin, disingenuous, like, I don't trust that woman as far as I could throw her, you know, she's a bunch of, she's a, it's a bunch of hogwash, she's phony baloney, you know, she's a phony, she's a big fucking phony. You know, like, that Cheshire grin fucking, she looks like the Joker, you know? And, you know, I know she's a black, she's a woman of color, a biopic, a biopic, black indigenous person of color, you know? She's a biopic, she's a, you know, 
She's a biopic, you know. Some people might even want to put my black ass in that category as well. So I ain't trying to trash her for that. And in some senses, that wouldn't even really make much sense because like the Joker, for example, that as an actor myself, the Joker is, you know, oh my God, that's like the greatest role an actor could want. Like, you know what I mean? Like to play the title, to play the Joker in a Batman film, man. Wow. What a, that's a role of a lifetime, right? My black ass wouldn't be suited for it. And I wouldn't want to try to pressure people to put me in that role. You know, I mean, the Joker is a white man. You know what I mean? That's what the character has always been. That's the legendary character. Leave it at that. So maybe this is a roundabout way of saying I'm not trying to bring a racial bias into this, but she does look like the Joker, doesn't she? Kamala Harris with that Cheshire grin, that yanked back gum line and them fucking yanked back, you know, the edges of that fucking Cheshire grin yanked back north, you know? She got that fucking gum line going, boy. Look at them gums, you know? She got that fucking, that fucking, you know, you know, you remind me of my father. I hated my father. Tonight, we're all going to be involved in a social experiment. I got 20 tons of dynamite strapped to the back of that plexiglass COVID-19 vestibule. I'm about to blow it sky high. Look at me. You know, it's like, wow, would you knock it off with that fucking, that grin? She was grinning throughout the whole fucking, that vulturous, lecherous grin. I don't trust her as far as I can throw her. Doesn't mean I don't respect a biopic woman, you know? And as I said, some people might want to put my black ass in the same category. But, you know, I don't trust her as far as I can throw her. She got a Cheshire grin, yanked back grin. But holy Toledo, did you see that fucking Mike Pence? That robotic fucking gray-haired mannequin just... Well, no. Um, please. Yes. No. <laughs> I think he's a humanoid. He's like an Autobot. Like, he's got that... Mike Pence. Yes. Yes, please. We will not abolish fracking. Fossil fuels. Mike Pence. Yes, please. Thank you, moderator. Yes, please. Fracking. (laughs) Going off about fossil fuels. Like, that's where they lose me. Like, the conservative party. It's just like... Like, I don't want to live in fear and fear monger. But, yo, like, global warming. Have you heard of it? You know? They're going off about, like, you know, bringing back fossil fuel jobs. And it's like fracking. It's like, what? Like, isn't that terrible for the environment? Like, I'll follow you down the road if you want to bring back manufacturing jobs. You want to get the American people back to work. But what? You want to drill to the core of the earth and suck up every fucking mineral that precious Mother Earth has left up her panty liner, you know? Like, leave some things to the mysteries of time, you know? Why are you always going to be fucking around with dinosaur fossils and shit? Fossil fuels, you know? Let it be. Why not use the sun, solar energy, wind power? Actually, wind turbines have been known to give people cancer, okay? But anyways, holy Toledo, that fucking humanoid, Mike Pence, and that fucking fly that landed on that fucking gray mop, that gray mop of his... (laughs) Got a bee in your bonnet there, fucking, uh, Pence. <laughs> yeah, that fucking, you know, when that happened, man, I, I think people in my building were watching the the debate at the same time because when that fucking fly landed on that fucking gray mop, that actually that, that fucking, that, that pristine, pure white mop of his, when that fucking, that, when that fly landed on that mop of his, I'm telling you, man, I heard an uproarious cackle from, like, my neighbors and stuff. I'm like, oh, I guess they must be watching it, too. And I knew in that moment that is 
that is like going to be a piece of history, a piece of talking point, a meme, uh, a Twitter buzz. That's going to blow the internet up. Like when I saw that, I was like, I was like, I'm like, is that a fly? And then I got thinking, I'm like, is that a conspiracy? Is that a plant? They Did they, did somebody plant that? Like, no, you can't plant a fly. Like, hey, there's something awfully squirrely going on around here. Uh, I was just like dumbfounded. I was like, <laughs> you know, but hey, you know. I didn't know they were doing the vice presidential debate on the streets of Calcutta. You know, flies and shit buzzing around. (laughs) Anyway, I mean, those are the times, you know. These are the times we live in. Uh, (laughs) Not that flies have to do with time. I mean, they're probably as old as time, flies. But, um, yeah. That's the news cycle, you know, it's, it's pretty much, well, why the presidential situation in the United States is so important is because COVID-19 is pretty much the forefront of the times globally in 2020. And, you know, I personally believe, and a lot of people believe that, you know, COVID-19, however it originated, it's being used as a politicizing weapon to control global economies keep people in fear keep people under control that's what a lot of these governing bodies are using it for and it's not far-fetched to believe that there might be further knowledge in some deep state document but hey you know sometimes i question myself like on the podcast you know it seems to be a big topic Every episode, COVID-19 comes up on some level, but it's like, that is the news of the day. And that's why, you know, this vice presidential election debate is of interest, you know. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens come November, because the United States economy uh, is a major factor in the world especially as a neighbor, as a Canuck, as their neighbor. And um, what will the presidency mean going forward in regards to COVID-19? Hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. If you've got questions, queries, or qualms, you want to stake a claim, a case, you know, you want to holler at me in regards to this situation, do so. jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. Alrighty, quick sip of water, third water break, balls. Oh, I'm going to be pissing up a storm tonight, balls. Now, what I want to talk about for the remainder of the program. So this has been like an ongoing little battle for me. Um, I've been reading this book on philosophy. And um, the beginning of the year, I started rattling off, you know, various wisdoms from this book it's a very fetching book philosophy the basics by nigel warburton and they go into like um the basics of philosophy we talked about um on the podcast jr the p we talked about does god exist right versus wrong animal rights political concepts science and philosophy And it's one of those cases where it's like the more you read, the more you know, the less you know, in a sense. I find the book fascinating, but it's also a bit of a game of mental buggery, you know? A little bit of mental sodomy going on, you know? It's like, concept, theory, this, that, and the other, a bunch of fucking hogwash, mumbo-jumbo, scientifical egghead theory. You know, type of shit makes you sick to your stomach, you know, as an artist, you know. I got that artistic, you know, impulsive mind where it's just like, yo, hit me, son. Fucking get to the point, clown. 
You know what I mean? Like I can't be sitting around reading this egghead theory all damn day mumbo jumbo. Like I busted my chops, busted my hump, did my due diligence, did my homework. I, I wrote all these summations, like a five, six page summation of this current chapter, the mind. This current chapter we're on right now is the mind. And take a gander, folks. Look, I did one page, two page, three page, four page, five page, six page, seven page, eight page, nine, eight and a half pages, single spaced, mind you. Look at that. Look at that. Single fucking spaced. If you don't believe me, take a good gander of that, folks. Take a good fucking gander. Eight and a half pages, single spaced, bunch of fucking scientific, philosophical mumbo jumbo, egghead theory, beat you over the fucking brow with it. And, you know, I don't know if I learned a damn thing, to be honest. It's like a lot of things that are like intrinsically known, you know, you have an intrinsical knowledge of it, you know. For example, this chapter discusses the mind. There's a lot of things about the mind that you obviously know if you have a mind. You know, things that you contemplate that you don't even know that you contemplate. Then you go into the book and there's all these definitions and theories and I made all these notes. And really this is my own personal bias. I'm moving further and further away from trying to define and understand things to try to make sense of things that are uncontrollable like the mind what is the mind how do we think different theories of mind different beliefs of the mind is the mind separate from the body consciousness souls How do I know? And how do all these definitions bring me closer to any fucking solution? Or to any conclusion? It's very interesting stuff, but it is like, as I'm sitting here trying to explain it to y'all, like this is like my several attempt at trying to get through this piece. I just find myself rattling off all these definitions and theories and concepts. It makes me sick to my stomach. Suffice to say, when it comes to the mind, this chapter, and again, I'll post information on this book. It's a great read. It's very interesting, but I'm sort of in a place where it's like, I want to know things for myself and then maybe at some point I can share my information or viewpoint with others. But for me to just rattle off definitions and information on things that I'm not an expert in, and I don't even, that word expert too, it's like, how do you claim to be an expert? You just, all you do is you, All you do is you just get involved with something, you learn about it, and at some point you can call yourself an expert. I mean, it's it's like a self-appointed title. I'm an expert at podcasting. I have 144 of them. I'm an expert. I'm an expert in uh, drinking water. I drink water every day. That makes me an expert in water drinking. Water consumption. I am an expert in water consumption. Oh, well, the consumption and uh, displacement and um, resourcefulness of water. I am a water consumption expert. Bunch of mumbo jumbo after a while, as far as I'm concerned. Makes you stick to your stomach. Anyway, the major concepts in regards to the mind in philosophy comes down to the major problem. The mind body problem that's what they call it the mind body problem is the mind 
separate from the body. Now, if you believe that the mind is a separate entity from the body, that falls under the belief system of dualism. A dualist, they believe that the mind and the body are two separate things. Yes. And conversely, if you believe that the mind and the body are one, you know, the mind and the body are one entity, then that is generally known as physicalism. You are a physicalist. You believe that the mind and the body are inseparable. They're one and the same. And then, you know, this chapter goes on to discuss various criticisms, you know, like, um, well, if you're a dualist and you believe that the mind and the body are separate, well, how do you explain, um, you know, evolution, right? We, generally speaking, you know, most people, not everybody, but, you know, a large amount of people believe in evolution, that we evolved from smaller organisms and onward, right? Well, if the mind is separate from the body, where did this mind substance come from? You know, if you got this little baby amoeba, and you know this little baby amoeba, she wants to evolve into like, you know, an even larger amoeba, an amoebus or whatever the hell, you know, like, where does this mind substance come from? Like if, it's kind of like, if you don't got it, how do you get it? You know what I mean? Like how how does how does something with a small, relatively small mind evolve into something as you know with the complexity of consciousness as a human being? How can an amoeba with a limited consciousness evolve into a human being with a large consciousness? You know? Evolution would say that, you know, generally speaking, the, the body and the mind evolve together. Henceforth, they are one. The brain evolves with the body. The size of the brain evolves with the size of the body. The mind and the body are one. They are together. Right? Well, a dualist would argue that, okay, well, you know, What's to say that, you know, a little amoeba couldn't get together with the other little amoebas and as they concoct a larger organism, the combined power of their faculties spawns a higher awareness. You know, the combined connectivity of different organisms coming along to create larger organisms, the, com the combined mental power grows right so it's like hmm okay that's interesting stuff and there's also a case for dualism in that well you know afterlife you know if you believe the mind and the body are separate you know that the mind is separate from the body a soul a higher awareness a consciousness that lends to the argument of an afterlife, right? Your mind can transcend your mortal coil, you know? Your mind doesn't die with your body. It goes on to another dimension, another awareness. Whereas if you are a physicalist, the mind and the body are one. Well, once you kick the bucket, two tears in a bucket, motherfucker, it, you're dead. So, that's an interesting viewpoint as well. Then they get into things like, you know, behaviorism. Behaviorism is like the idea that, you know, behaviorists deny the existence of the mind altogether. There's no such thing as a mind. Are you out of your mind? You don't have no mind. 
Describing someone as being in pain or irritated is not to the behaviorist is not the behaviorists would agree a description of the person's mental experience. Rather, it is a description of a person's public behavior or potential behavior in a hypothetical situation. So it's like we don't even have minds. We just behave. We behave in what, you know, when you're in pain, you tend to wince and groan. When you're irritated, you tend to be rude and stomp your feet. So it's like, this is like learned behavior that you, that you just acquire in a life. Doesn't even really make that much sense to me, to be honest. So rather than solving the problem, behaviorists claim to have dissolved it completely. Um, and again, that's another example of one of those things that I kind of get, but it's a little bit hard for me to relate to people, this information. Because um, I don't even really know what I think about it. It's just like, what? We don't have a mind, we just have behaviors. And, you know, it goes on and on. Functionalism. In practice, this means concentrating on inputs, outputs, and the relationship between interstates. You know, an example being like the difference between hardware and software. You know, like the hardware would be like our brain. The software would be like our thoughts. Somehow they call that functionalism. I don't really understand. I do and I don't, you know? It like, I can understand it for myself, but then when I speak on it, it's just like exhausting. You know what I mean? And like I said, I've been busting my hump all week as an actor, as a, bent over these scripts, fucking memorizing lines. Ah, It's exhausting after a moment, you know? Then there's the idea of other minds, you know? We have no examined uh, proof that other people think just as we do, right? How do I know that other people think, feel, and are conscious in the way that I am? How do I know? How do you know? You know? And I guess the counter to that would be that, well, the most obvious answer to the doubt that other people are conscious is the argument for analogy, and if one thing is like another, in some respects, it is assumed that it will be like it in others. The argument from analogy claims that people are similar enough to infer that everyone is conscious in a similar way. So we're similar enough, you know? Uh, you know, I look at somebody and they cough and sneeze and wear fucking COVID-19 masks, you know? Oh, they're going to die of COVID. Oh, they must have a mind. Oh. You know, we're similar in our fears. We're similar in our behaviors, our mannerisms. You know, that's enough to assume that most people are conscious in a similar way in which we are. And, you know, I skimped over that because... uh it's very interesting stuff, but it's just not a channel in which um, I really want to run down. I've kind of depleted my, for the moment, I've depleted my reserve of um, speaking from a place of knowledge. I don't know anything <laughs> about anything. You know what I mean? Top of the show, I was mumbling on about being an actor and what it means. I don't fucking know. Stand-up comedian, I don't know, shit just comes out of my mouth. You know, podcaster, well, I learned a couple things, how to set up a camera, how to use a DAW, digital audio workstation, you know. There's so much to know, it just boggles your mind how much you don't know. And that's what, like, this chapter really illuminated for me on the mind, where it's just like, 
Now, I personally believe that a lot of life's mysteries comes down to the acceptance that we have a creator, a God, a God of your choosing, whatever. I don't want to get denominational. I personally believe in God. Um, one of the arguments they use for that in the book to the existence of God is the design argument. Everything bears witness to being designed. Like think how intricately complicated the human eye is, for example. You got the iris, you got the pupil, you know, you got the eyelashes, you know. Think of the intricacy in which an eye is formed and works, right? Did it just randomly happen? Is it just random that, you know, our arms and our legs are designed in a way that's proportional with our body in order for us to, you know, sit, stand, climb, function the way we do? Is that all just a random occurrence or was it designed? Some people say, well, a counter to God's omnipotence, all-powerfulness, is that, well, look at all the design flaws. Eventually an eye gets weak, you must wear glasses, you might go blind, you know, the cruelty of time. But yet for all the scientific know-how and prowess, which is very impressive, when you think about the science community in this world, it's extremely impressive, the man-made science. This is a product of man-made science. Um, the internet, cameras, microphones, lighting. That's the prowess of science. It's very impressive. But the major, one of the most major questions, if not the, in my opinion, the major question of science, what gives life? Here I am involuntarily, like our bodies are pretty much in a involunt, our organs, the sustenance of life, the spark that our bodies function under, I believe is known as the involuntary system. I, I'm breathing. I'm just breathing air. I'm not even thinking about it. My organs are functioning, you know, my ball sack is creating semen. Uh, my butthole is creating, you know, a digestive tract for taking a shit later. Um, you know, my tits are excreting milk. Well, I'm not pregnant, but, you know, your, your stomach digests food. Your kidneys do whatever the hell they do. Your liver processes toxins, I believe. You know, I should know this as a recovering alcoholic. But, you know, your body is in an involuntary system that works i'm not thinking about any of this but all my vital organs are working keeping me alive that spark that we don't know what is life and to relate to this chapter on the mind well what is the mind is it just a part of my body a part of the physicalist's the physicalism, the belief that the body is one with the body, the mind is one with the body, the physicalist says something to the part of like, you know, well, there's inner states, inner states, meaning there's inner components of the brain. So it's like when you have a thought, it's not so much that you're having a conscious thought, is that there's a location in your brain, you know, I'm kind of paraphrasing this, but it's like, when you think about a car, it's not so much that you're thinking about a car and you're having a separate thought from your body as much as your body is focused on a place in your brain 
that recalls cars. Then they backed that up with, well, you know, while it's not expected and reasonable to assume that all people would know about the inner workings of the mind, it is to say that the inner states of the mind can be scientifically charted as the... You can make up whatever fucking scientific mumbo-jumbo you want to spin at it. But it's like, well, how is every thought in my head or every thought in the universe connected to an inner state of the mind? As if you can just pinpoint, as if there's a location for every thought predetermined in my mind. One of the counter-arguments to that is like, okay, well, you know like an after-image, an afterglow? Like, if you've ever stared at a light, you know, if you ever stare at, like, a lamp, then you turn your head, and then you see that after image, that afterburn, you know, like, there's, like, a little bit of an imprinted light that follows your vision, and then you see that, and it's usually in a very unique shape, a unique shape for the unique situation. How is there an inner state in my mind designated for, oh, yeah, that's that after image, that's already a location in my mind. It's not that I'm having a thought about that. It's not a separate thought from my body. No, my body already has an internalized memory for that specific after image. You know? It's quite the rabbit hole. And um, I definitely want to point you, if you find any of this interesting... Nigel Warburton, Philosophy, The Basics. You know, um, it's very interesting. And um, <laughs> to show you how, um, I guess, you can call it egotistical or stupid or short-sighted or just, uh, I guess, uh, optimistic. There's different ways in which you can label me on this. But I am literally on the last chapter, and it dawned on me. Why am I fucking babbling on about things I don't really know about? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I guess it's interesting discussion, and maybe this is the better way, just to speak on it in terms of my opinion. That's what I fucked up. Now I see. Because, like, you know, I don't know. This particular chapter, I was really trying to get the information out but in doing so I just sounded like a broken record I'm just listing off all these definitions and shit I'm like well it's kind of separate from me and how I process this information and I should just try to really give my opinion and any further analysis I can direct to the book Philosophy the Basics by Nigel Warburton or any philosophical study on the mind no point in me trying to sound like a fucking encyclopedia. You know, I'm, I'm just kind of, you know, processing this information. A lot of it is just intrinsically known to me as a person with a mind, allegedly. A lot of this shit is just kind of intrinsic to me anyway. And a lot of it is, you know, interesting theory, interesting concept. And um, if you have any thoughts on this or you want to share something with me, I'm more than willing to listen to it. More than happy to. jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. Hit me up and um, definitely will be uh, definitely will uh, be appreciated. You know, because I don't know. I just, I don't know. I came to some sort of realization. Like I always kind of knew that we claim to know more than we do as human beings. Ah, oh, fuck what people do. I do, you know? I know that I do. You know, I think I know this. I think I know that. I think this makes sense. But then the more you look at things sometimes, like, what really does make sense? I mean, I could sit here and list you all these fucking definitions, and sure, I kind of get it, but it don't really make any lasting sense to me. Not exactly obvious if any of this shit means anything, you know? But it's definitely interesting as a person with a mind.
So um, we got one more chapter left, and that is something that um, I can speak on fairly competently, and it will be a joy to once that becomes discovered. So stay tuned. It's your old chuckle buddy. Guess who? Jonathan James Ramtran, reporting live for duty on this magnificent October 9th in the year of our Lord, 2020. The mind. It's a major concept. Uh, you know. Hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. You want to fucking babble at me about that? Please do so. I'm available on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. Uh, my own website, jonathan-ramcharan.com. Yeah, you can connect with me there. Till next time, folks. You live it, you love it, you realize it. Alrighty? Peace.